I want you to know that David went down in the midst of the valley and claimed the victory in the name of Jesus. If we would just reach out and touch the Lord, that God is going to give us victory. Amen. In the name of Jesus. It's like Paul and Silas in the prison bars. They done simply what they knew to do. They begin to sing hymns and songs unto the Lord. And something come over that place that day. The walls begin to shake. And God gave them deliverance. Amen. What a mighty God that we serve. He said to that giant, you come to me with a sword and a shield. But I come to you in the name of the Lord. Amen. In the name of Jesus. Lord bless you. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Back, he said, the former treatise have I written under the old Theophilus of all that Jesus began both to do and to teach. It's not enough just to teach something, you've got to do something. It's not enough just to believe something, you've got to put it into action. Amen. You can, you can talk about the Holy Ghost all you want to, but when you start talking in tongues is when you make a difference. You can talk about revival all you want to, but when you let God give you revival and then you let it spill out onto somebody else, that's when you're getting something done. It's not enough to talk about witnessing when you put it into practice and you start telling somebody about Jesus. I'm going to tell you what, our world is so hungry. They are so hungry. They are so hungry for God. They're just waiting for us to show up. I believe there's Corneliuses out there. They're just waiting, amen, for Peter to get to the house. They're just, they're just waiting for the preacher to come. They're just waiting for somebody to knock on the door. They're just waiting for somebody to hand them a track. I believe that God is working on people right now. And he's just waiting on us to catch up with what he's doing. Amen. Don't get quiet now. We come into the church house and we know what we ought to do. We go to the prayer room and we know what we ought to do, but we don't do it. Friend, when we start doing what we know, it's going to make a difference in our life. In fact, if you do what you know, you don't have to talk as much. You don't have to brag as much. You don't have to boast as much. It just shows up because you're doing it. You don't have to pin medals on your chest. It's going to, a Bible says that a man's gift will make room for itself. You don't have to brag about what you got. It'll show up. When you do what you know. When you do what you know. You don't have to go around walking around bragging about how much you love your pastor. Just start loving him. And everybody will know it. You don't have to brag about how much you pray. Just do it. And everybody will know how much you pray. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, now that church down there, they got a good church. They worship God. The only difference between them and you is they do it. Oh, hallelujah. Boy, they must have a good pastor because they really worship God. Well, they probably do have a good pastor, but that's not why you don't worship God. The reason you don't worship God is because you just don't do it. You know what to do. When you learn how to worship God when things are going well, and you learn how to worship God when things are not going well, when you're on the mountain and when you're in the valley, if you just do what you know, just do what you know, I don't know what's going on. I don't know why God's not answering my prayer. But I'm still going to do what I know to do. God hadn't told me any different. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. 
I'm not going to let anybody else say amen for me. I'm going to say amen. I'm not going to let anybody else pray for me. I'm going to pray. Hallelujah. I'm not going to let somebody else run the aisles for me. I'm going to run the aisles. I'm going to shout. I'm going to be the one. Oh, hallelujah. Do what you know. Do what you know. When the devil comes looking you in the eye, do what you know. In the name of Jesus, get thee behind me, Satan. Hallelujah. Don't stand there and talk to him. Do what you know. Hallelujah. Oh, but Brother Nance, you don't know what I'm going through. It doesn't matter what you're going through. Your God is big enough. Your God is big enough. Your God is big enough to handle any situation. Do what you know. You may be seated. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah godly and pure praise God there's no shortcuts amen to to get into the place with God that he can use you praise God or he can move in our midst and he can give a church and a district or whatever that it is revival because the bottom line is always this you're going to do what you know to do first and then you'll reach out and you'll do the possible and then eventually you'll do the impossible Praise God. You'll do the impossible, but only after that you have done the things that you know that you need to do. Praise God. I'd like to challenge every young person here tonight to leave out of this youth conference and just start doing the things that you know you need to do. If every young person tonight, amen, you know you need to pray. If every young person would start to pray every day, amen, until youth camp, we would take that thing apart. There's no telling what God would do when we hit Miltonville if everybody started doing what they knew to do. Praise God. Amen. Amen. Lord bless you tonight. A lot of time that our theme this year is doing what we know to do. Amen. Doing what we know to do. And I believe that we've got a short time to do it. Amen. The scripture came to me, if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. And whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them that believe not. Lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of the invisible God, should shine unto them. Amen. The scripture says, for God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness has shined in our hearts to give the light. To give the light, to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Amen. We've got a commandment. Amen. We know what to do. Amen. I said we know what to do. Amen. The scripture's been troubling me lately. In Daniel chapter number 12, I believe it's verse number 4, it says that knowledge shall be increased. Knowledge is knowing what to do. Wisdom is the application of knowing what to do. I not only want knowledge to be increased, amen, I want to have, amen, an application of my faith. Amen. I believe that God, amen, requires it of each and every one of us. Praise God. He said, but be not uh, hearers of the word only and not doers deceiving your own 
themselves. Amen. For if any man be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is likened to a man beholding his natural face in a glass. Amen. It said he just beholds himself and he goes his way and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he is. We can leave this place tonight. Amen. And forget exactly what God has told us to do. Amen. Forget what God has presented as a burden for each and every one of us to carry. Amen. But I believe that there's some people here tonight that not only know what to do. Amen. But they're praying, God, give me the spiritual strength. God, give me the vision. God, give me the spiritual power. Give me the illumination in my mind to perform that which I know to do. Amen. Over and over, that is reiterated so many times in the Scripture. Amen. Jesus Christ, I believe in 7 and 14, one that we know, he said, Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them shall be likened unto a wise man. And a lot of times we preach that the man that built upon the sand was a sinner. But he said, Whosoever heareth these sayings of mine, they had to be present to hear the Word of God. Amen. They had to be present in the house of God. That is not for sinners. Amen. That is for people that heard the sayings and did them not. Amen. My Lord is quiet here tonight. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. How many love the word of the Lord? Amen. How many know what to do? Praise God. I believe that God is going to give us apostolic revival. Amen. I believe that God has got something special for his people. Amen. In this end time. How many believe that? Hallelujah. How many really believe that? Hallelujah. How many believe we're at the midnight hour? I said, how many believe we're at the midnight hour? A lot of things happen at midnight. Paul and Silas prayed. Amen. And at midnight, hallelujah, God heard, amen, their prayers. And they heard them singing. And the prison doors were open. At midnight, God led his hand, amen, as the children of Israel with a mighty hand out of the land of Egypt. There's a lot of things happening at midnight. And I believe we're in the midnight hour. One thing that our evangelist said, and I've heard him preach, I respect him, amen, what he said, amen. But there was something that uh, I've seen in the paper, amen, that really alarmed me. And that was a woman. A man was giving birth to a comatose, in a comatose condition of a, of a baby. And she didn't know that she was giving birth to this child. Amen. I had God, I mean, all over me when I read that just little uh, brief excerpt in the paper. Amen. I believe that this, this world does not know what it's fixing to give birth to. Amen. I believe we're at the midnight hour. Amen. But midnight hour means deliverance. Hallelujah. Amen. At midnight, there was a cry made. It wasn't the Lord. Amen. I said, that wasn't the cry of the Lord. Amen. At midnight, that was the cry of the preacher. Behold, he cometh. Because when he comes, you ain't going to have time to get ready. You know what to do. Amen. He's not coming for a church that's getting ready. He's coming for a church that has made herself ready. That knew what to do. That knew what to do. That made herself ready. Amen. He ain't coming for a people that are ready to pray through. He's coming for a people that are prayed through. That's right. Amen. My Lord, my Lord. Praise God, praise God. Hallelujah. Well, we're going to get the preacher on the floor tonight. Amen. I appreciate all of the ministers that are standing behind us. I just feel an awesome fear and presence of the Lord in the house. Amen. How many feel that? How many feel the power of the Holy Ghost in this house here tonight? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. I make mention all of the pastors uh, just get a hold of me after service. And uh, if you have already paid for a motel room, we're going to reimburse you. There's only one stipulation on that, and that's that you double your pledge for next year. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. I heard some amens out there, but I didn't hear any back here. Hallelujah. 
Amen, amen. Well, Brother Nance, hallelujah. We want Sister Jennifer, I want you to get ready to sing. Amen. It's just like fire shut up in my bones. Hallelujah. He's going to, at this time, present some She's for Christ award uh, plaques to... Not at all, but I feel in the Holy Ghost, amen, that the very best is yet to come. I believe God wants to do some very, very definite things in the hearts, amen, of young people that will let him and respond to him tonight. Praise God. Amen. And anybody else that's willing to jump on board, I believe he'll bless the rest of us. Can you say amen? amen. Thank God. Thank God. Boy, I like Kansas. Woo, I like Kansas. Hallelujah. I'm not moving out here, but I like Kansas. I like Kansas. Praise God. Verse 20, Matthew chapter 9. I uh, want to read a very familiar portion of the word of the Lord. And behold, a woman which was diseased with an issue of blood twelve years came behind him and touched the hem of his garment, for she said within herself, If I may but touch his garment, I shall be whole. But Jesus turned him about, and when he saw her, he said, Daughter, be of good comfort, thy faith hath made thee whole. And the woman was made whole from that hour. Now I want to read to you also, from Luke chapter 8, but you don't need to turn there. This is just a little bit further on it. Verse 45, And Jesus said, Who touched me? When all denied, Peter and they that were with him said, Master, the multitude throng thee and press thee, and sayest thou, Who touched me? And Jesus said, Somebody hath touched me, for I perceive that virtue is gone out of me. Amen. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. Let's pray one more time and ask God to have His way. We love you, Jesus. We are so mindful of you tonight. Do your work, my Savior, my God. I love you with everything that's in me. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. God, I love you. I worship you with all of my heart and all of my soul and all of my mind. I love you, Jesus. Oh, I feel him. I feel him, I feel him, I feel him. God bless you so much. You may be seated. As I stated, and as I began to read, you knew, this is not a scripture of unfamiliar territory to us. If you've been in church any time at all, you've heard it preached on perhaps several times, you've read it, and its allusion is made to it often. Because this little woman and what she did and what happened to her is such a beautiful account of pure faith and what happens when people exhibit faith and they touch Jesus Christ. It is such an awesome example, it is such a beautiful, profound example that we cannot but help but go back to it again and again and again. And so, while that has been done, I, I do feel to go back through it again. Amen. As a starting point. 
amen, for what I feel on my heart tonight. And I am going to say that what I feel on my heart, I have no idea what I'm going to preach tomorrow. I haven't got the foggiest. But I've known that I was going to preach this almost since the time Brother Nance called me and asked me. Amen. This little woman, we do not know very much about her. We do not know if she had children. We don't know if she had a husband. We don't know what her situation or station in life was. One can only imagine. Amen. And, and so when I begin to give my story, that's all it is, is my story. My guess is as good as yours. But I'm the one up here tonight, so we'll hear mine tonight. Amen. Uh, if she was married, and there's no reason to think that she was not at one time, if she was married, you know that the marriage had a great strain put upon it. The very fact that the Scripture tells us in another portion of the Gospels that she had uh, spent her entire living, amen, going from doctor to doctor to doctor for 12 long years. Amen. I'm going to tell you something. It takes a lot of money to support doctors for 12 years. Amen. In our day and her days both. Amen. She spent all of her substance, all that she had, amen, in order to be cured of this terrible dreaded blood disease that she had. Amen. They did not understand or know things as we do today and maybe even in this day we would not have been able to help this woman with her condition. Amen. But she saw Jesus one day. She had heard about him, no doubt. She had, she had wondered about him. She had, her mind grasped at every straw. God only knows how many uh, various home remedies she had tried through the years. And, and she, she turned every way she possibly could to seek some kind of help. And so the day she began to hear about a healer in the coast of Israel, no doubt she perked up. No doubt she decided, if I ever am around that man, I've got to do something. I've got to reach him somehow. Uh, I wonder if he can help me. Amen. And in this given day, she was going about her business perhaps. She saw a vast crowd of people coming toward her. She began to ask what was going on. And in the process of her queries, she began to understand that in the middle of that crowd was Jesus Christ. Amen. Now, had she been a tall robust individual she could have made her way amen into that crowd amen but being uh the weak frail woman that she was somehow she had to get into the middle of it we've wondered why she touched the hem of his garment it might be it was the only part she could touch amen but i do know this for whatever reason she chose to touch the hem of his garment. I want you to know that what she did was unprecedented. There is nowhere in the scriptural narrative a case like this before her. Nobody done it before. It had not been commanded before. It had not been on this wise before. She said within herself, if I can but touch the hem of his garment. Amen. Nobody told her. Nobody propped her up with these words. She heard about Jesus. She heard about his power. But it was her. She said within herself, if I can but touch the hem of his garment. Amen. And so when did she say that? I don't know when she said it. Maybe it was 
after bouncing off the backs of the inquiring people, she decided if I'm going to get anywhere near him, I'm going to have to crawl. And so on her hands and knees, she began to try to make her way, amen, through the legs of that people to get to Jesus Christ. I can see the people standing and, and kicking and looking and what, what, what on earth as this little woman begins to work her way. Maybe it was when she was on her hands and knees that something began to burn and churn inside of her that said, if I can but touch the hem of his garment, if she'd have been able to stand upright, she might have said the sleeve of his garment. Amen. Or touch his cloak or whatever. Amen. But I feel that it could be because she was crawling on the ground in order to reach him. She said within herself, if I can but touch the hem of his garment. Hallelujah. And so while they were milling and going, the Bible said he was thronged about with the multitude. All of a sudden, Everything stopped. Jesus moved no further. And when he was silent, then the crowd, the hubbub, began to silence. And Jesus is looking. He's got a puzzled expression on his face. And that's something you rarely saw on the face of Jesus, was a puzzled expression. And he's like he's looking for something. The disciples might have thought maybe, maybe he dropped something. And finally he said, who touched me? Who touched me? Simon looked at him and he thought, Lord, let me rephrase the question. Who didn't touch you? You're thronged with people. I mean, they're bumping on you all over. Everybody and their dog are reaching for you. Everybody's laying a hand on you. Everybody's trying to get a finger on you. What do you mean, who touched me? Everybody's touching you. But right then and there, Jesus let it be known for time and eternity that what we consider touching him and what he considers touching him might be two entirely different things. Amen. He said, no, 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 I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about somebody touching me because virtue has just gone out of me. I'm going to tell you something, honey. Until you can touch him and start causing the virtue to flow, I doubt you're really touching him. There's something about it. Amen. Your criteria, my criteria, forget it. Hallelujah. I want Jesus Christ's criteria. Amen. He said, friend, when you've really touched me, then the virtue is going to start to flow. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. I promise you, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm not one of these wiseacres that can't hear because they're deaf. i got a throat problem. Mr. Sammy, it's not your fault. I promise you, it's not your fault. It's my fault. But I've got earplugs right here for the guys on the platform if they need them. Hallelujah. I really do. Raise your hands. I'll give you some earplugs. Hallelujah. 
I use them on the airplane, but I'll give them, I'll lend them to anybody that needs it. Hallelujah. All right. Oh, don't you love him? Hallelujah. That's why I like Kansas. Praise God. Amen. When the, when the show stopped and Jesus looked around, he said, for the first time in this excursion, somebody finally touched me because I felt virtue drain out of me and it went somewhere and I'm looking for the one that received the deposit of my virtue. Hallelujah. You know what that tells me? It's possible to sing and not really sing. It's possible to pray and not really pray. It's possible to worship and not really worship. It's possible to touch him and not really touch him. But honey, when the virtue begins to flow, you know you're touching Jesus. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. When that little woman was on her hands and knees, amen. God only knows how many times she'd been stepped on. God only knows how many times she'd been kicked accidentally and purposefully. But there was something about it. When her hand laid hold, she got a hold of something that she'd never felt before, and it began to flow. No doctor could ever do that. No medicine could ever do that. There was a touch of Almighty God that nothing in the world can compare. And immediately, she began to feel the strength come in her body. And she began to scoot back. But then she stood. And Jesus was looking. There's somebody around here that's got something they didn't have just a few minutes ago. Because I felt it go out of me. And I'm looking where it went. And when she saw, it could not be hid. Here I am. Oh, here I am. Here I am. Remember, what she did was unprecedented. Nobody had ever done that before. Nobody had ever touched him like, like that before. Amen. But I'm going to tell you something about Pentecost. News spreads. <laughs> Hallelujah. Good news, bad news. It spreads. Hallelujah. Amen. I'm going to tell you something. Some things are contagious. Some things are contagious. Amen. God knows fear is contagious. But aren't you thankful to God? Amen. That faith is also contagious. Woo! Amen. Aren't you glad that courage is contagious? Hallelujah. While back I was reading to my boys a, uh, a book. I picked up, and uh, it wasn't in depth, but it was very informative, and it was called The Wars of America, and our major wars and conflicts 
and men that did great things in them. And I was reading that to my boys about two or three times a week. And we came to World War II and one of the greatest challenges to America, one of the greatest challenges of the war began on June 6, 1944. And that was the invasion of Normandy. And they hit, I believe it was five different beachheads, the Allied forces, consisting mainly of the American forces. And of these, the worst, the most dangerous was Omaha Beach because when you hit the sand, a long, deep stretch of sand, and when you got to the edge of the sand, there was cliffs over 100 feet high. And pocketed into those cliffs and on the top of the cliffs was German artillery, marksmen, all manners of machine guns. And so what they had to do in the landing was hit the beaches, make it to the cliffs, and begin to try and take those Germans out. And so Omaha became, for the time being, a bloodbath. When the landing craft hit and the, and the uh, uh, panels were let down and the men began to pour onto the beach, there was an absolute withering fire. Amen. And it began to mow, amen, the Allies down, mostly Americans. And so the men that were pouring off of the landing craft, they realized what was happening and a, and a terrible fear and horrible panic, as you could well imagine, overtook them. Some of them literally began to crawl into the sand, try and burrow into the sand and hide. Others laid there stiff, holding themselves, afraid to move. And sitting there, lying there, they literally were sitting ducks. And then the Germans could just begin to take their time, amen, in picking them off. And it was turning into a horrible massacre. And there was a general on board of one of those landing craft by the name of George Taylor. And George Taylor, amen, should have never done this as far as the, book was, the books were concerned, the rules, amen. But uh, he took his life into his hands because he couldn't stand to see his men being destroyed like that. And he ran out of the landing craft and, and, and officers were reaching for him to stop him, but he wouldn't be stopped. And he, he ran through the water and he began to run up and down the beaches, kicking his men, screaming at them, yelling at them. And he wasn't preaching to them either. And, uh, and he was telling them, among other things, are you going to lay here and die like a bunch of fools? Or are you going to get up? Are you going to fight? Are you going to, amen, show what America's made out of? And while General Taylor was running up and down the beaches, kicking soldiers and screaming, bullets were flying all around him, but they couldn't touch him. They couldn't touch him. He didn't get so much as a ripped piece of cloth as he ran up and down the beaches screaming. And somehow those men saw his courage and something began to spread. Amen. The fear, the panic gripped them. But now something else began to well in their heart. And they said, hey, if he can do it, I can do it. Hallelujah. If he can stand up like a man, I can stand up like a man. If he can fight, I can fight. And they took Omaha Beach. They took it. The beginning of World War II, and this is not going to be a history lesson. I'm going to move on quick. The German Blitzrig overran Poland, 
over in France, over in Belgium, was going into the Netherlands, and then they started dropping the bombs on London. England was riddled with fear, appeasement, defeatism. One man stood up at a microphone over a radio broadcast. He said, I have nothing to offer but blood, sweat, and tears. You ask me, what is our agenda? Our agenda is to fight. And we will fight in the ocean. And we will fight on the beaches. And we will fight on the land. And we will fight in the streets. Amen. And many people that were there, when he got done, he put his hand over the mic and he said, we'll hit him over the head with beer bottles because that's all we got left to fight with. And then he went back to his speech. His name was Winston Churchill. But all of a sudden, a new mood began to sweep through Great Britain. All they had known for 10 years was appeasement. All they had known, amen, was kowtowing before all of Hitler's demands. All they knew is that bombs were raining in on their heads. And they say, amen, that during the siege of Britain, amen, and before America got into the war, amen, anybody else, amen, Great Britain would have capitulated. But Winston Churchill, there was something about it. His courage, I said his courage was in infectious something about it it began to spread it began to go around it began to get around hallelujah go to matthew chapter 14 there's something about it folks when we touch jesus there's something about it when we realize how important it is i can't just sit through a service i can't just let this pass by i don't care what everybody else is doing i me myself alone i've got to touch jesus i've got to get a hold of him hallelujah if nobody in my family lives for God, I'm going to live for God. If nobody in my school lives for God, I'm going to live for God. If nobody else touches him, I will touch him. Hallelujah. Young person, your walk with God might be unprecedented. Maybe you're the first one. Maybe you're the only one. In your family living for God. Maybe you're the only one left living for God. Maybe the only one in your class living for God. And what you're doing is unprecedented. But I'm going to tell you something. Faith spreads. Courage is infectious. Nobody had ever touched the hem of his garment and been healed before. It had never happened. Amen. But that was in the ninth chapter of the book of Matthew. You got to give some things a little bit of time. You go through chapter 10, and then you go on down the road through 11, and then through 12, and 13. God's healed a lot of people. He's done a lot of works, but words getting around. Brother Dudley, begin reading verse 34. Matthew 14. And when they were gone over, and when they were gone over, they came into the land of Gennesaret. They came to the land of Gennesaret, 
And when the men of that place when the men of that place had knowledge of him had knowledge of him they sent out they sent out into all that country into all that country round about round about and brought unto him and they brought unto him all all that were diseased that were diseased and besought him and besought him that they might only that they might only touch touch the hem the hem of his garment of his garment hallelujah hey boys i heard something where do you think they got that what she did was unprecedented she said it within herself oh, yeah. the news got around oh. all you gotta Come do on. is get a hold of the oh, hem of his garment hallelujah hallelujah Come on, let's get the sick, let's get the lame, let's get the blind, let's get the lost, let's get the undone. All you got to do is touch him. The virtue will flow. Read what happened. And as many, and as many, as touched, as touched, were made, were made, perfectly, perfectly, how, Everybody that touched him. How do you know it'll work? A little woman touched him. And God's no respecter of persons, honey. I said God's no respecter of persons. If he did it for one, he'll do it for another. Hallelujah. You ever been in a service that was just a little tight? And for whatever reasons, people are just letting it glide on by. The Lord is saying, I've come into my garden, my sister, my spouse. I'm looking for myrrh. I'm looking for honey. Hallelujah. I'm looking for some things. And the Song of Solomon said, I've come to my garden, my sister, my spouse, and I've gathered. He gathers our praises. He gathers our worship. After we give to him, then he said, now eat my beloved, drink my beloved. You feed him first, he feeds you. Amen. He said, look, 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 what servant among you goes out and works in the field all day, comes in at the end of the day, props his feet up on the, on the chair and says, here I am, feed me, master. But rather, he comes in from the field and he waits on his master and he feeds him. And after his master has fed, then it's his turn to eat. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen. We come to the house of God. Hallelujah. We may be tired. We may be this. We may be that. And there's something about it. The service may be just a little bit not quite there. And all of a sudden, somebody will get their hands up. Woo! Some dear little old sister, dear old brother, amen, to get their hands in the air and they'll start reaching. They'll start reaching for the hem of his garment. And you know when they connect, you can feel it. The virtue's starting to flow. And then everybody, everybody says, hey, he's touching her. He'll touch me. He touched brother so-and-so. He'll touch me. We don't have to let a service go by. Hallelujah. 
Anybody ever hear of a guy named Abishai? Sibekiah? Elhanan? Jonathan? Abishai killed a giant by the name of Ishbenob. Sibekiah killed a giant by the name of Seth. Elhanan killed a giant that was a brother to a big giant that had been talked about twice tonight. Jonathan killed another giant from the same place named Gath. All of these men were contemporaries of David. Until David's day, nobody had ever killed a giant all by themselves. It was considered too big. He was too bad. He was too tough. But aren't you glad faith is contagious? Aren't you glad courage is contagious? Hallelujah! Wild glory! They said, hey, David can kill a giant. I can kill a giant! God's no respecter of persons! Woo! Stay with me just a little bit longer. In 1886, 1886, there was a man by the name of Walter George. He broke a world record for running a mile. He ran one mile in four minutes, 12 and three quarters seconds. His record lasted 37 years. Nobody broke four minutes, 12 and three quarters seconds. In 1923, a man by the name of Pavel Nermi, he beat Walter George's record by two seconds. Four minutes, ten and three quarters seconds. His world record lasted for 31 years. In 1954, there was a man, when he was a boy, he'd been engulfed in a horrid, horrid fire. At first they despaired of his life, and when they saw that he would live, they despaired of the use of his legs. They told his parents, we're sorry, but your boy will never walk again in his life. This little boy said, I will walk. You know how I know I can walk? Because I'm going to start running. And you better believe he fell a lot. But his name was Roger Bannister. And Roger, people used to wince. They would groan when they saw him. But he kept it up. And pretty soon, he started to get a better stride. I'm not making fun. Please, I'm not. And then he began to get a little better. And then he began to get a little better. And then he began to get real good. Understand 
that for 68 years, nobody had, or there was a world record that had only been broke once in 68 years. Four minutes, 12 and three quarter. 37 years later, four minutes, 10 and three quarter. In 1954, a boy that they said wouldn't live and then they said would never walk ran the first mile under four minutes. Three minutes, 59, and I don't have the, what part of the seconds? 68 years and it had only been broke one time. A boy that they said had never walk beat the four minute mile. In the next three years, not 68, in the next three years, 26 men beat four-minute miles. Twenty-six men said, if that boy that was crippled can do it, I can do, I can do it, I can do it, I can do it! And now, in any college across the nation, if you're going to be a long-distance runner and you can't beat a four-minute mile, check it in. And right now, they're hungry, they're lonely, they're hurting, they're lost, they're undone. They don't think there's any good in the world. They don't believe there's any faith in the world. They're having a hard time believing there's even a God in the universe. But if they can ever meet you, you who have touched the hem of his garment and the virtue, I said, and the virtue is flowing. It's flowing. Parents are looking at you. Kids in schools are looking at you. People you've never met are going to look at you. And I'm telling you, you've got what they need tonight. Go to John chapter 20. I'd like our organist or musicians, please. We affect each other, brethren. Boys and girls, men and women, we affect each other. We have conscious and unconscious influence on each other. There's no getting around it. We're foolish to think that we don't, because we do. Jesus had gone to Calvary. His most loyal, his most trusted, his most devoted. They had either followed afar off, ran and fled and forsook him wholesale, or denied him with a filthy curse, and the worst, sold him for 30 pieces of silver. A man that said, I'll go to prison, I'll go to jail, I'll go anywhere with you, cussed him out. And as he was denying that he even knew him to a crowd of accusers, saying, I don't know him! And throwing in his dirty gutter talk, he noticed nobody was even looking at him. They weren't interested in him anymore. All eyes were somewhere else, and he turned. And he looked into the eyes of Jesus. God really only knows what was held in that glance, in that look. 
Peter went out, wept bitterly, bitterly, bitterly. I'll never raise my head again. I'll never brag again. I won't even able to believe again. He sat in a room full of dejection, reproach, sorrow, and grief for three days and nights. In the height of his misery, all of a sudden, a door flew open. A wild-eyed maid stood there, breathing. He's alive. I'm telling you, Jesus is alive. I just saw him with my own eyes. Well, they didn't get as excited as you did. Said he is. He said, go tell the disciples and Peter that I'm alive and all's well. And all of a sudden that man started coming out of his stupor. He said, wait a minute, hold on. Did you say he called my name? Oh yeah, he said your name in particular. He said, go tell the boys, but make sure you tell Simon. And all of a sudden, something began to beat in that man's heart. You mean he still loves me? You mean he still cares about me? He wasted no time. He took off out the door. And the others sat there wondering what they're going to do with the info. When there's another man named John, he took off too. John was obviously younger than Simon Peter. Many things allude to that. And he outran Simon. I can see that old man chugging. Everything in the world depends on what he finds in the tomb. If he's there, it's all over. But if he's arisen, i got a new lease. i got a new hope. i got a new chance. It's not over for me. But as he ran, old John was fleet of foot, and he outran him. And you better believe, friend, that as John ran past him, it caused that old disciple to run harder than he had. I'm telling you, how we run to the sepulcher affects everybody about us. But John was younger. He outran him. He got to the door, but he stopped. He froze. That's why we need our elders. You hear me? I said, that's why we need our elders. A lot of us younger ones, we're good at running to the tomb, but we choke at the worst time. Thank God for the old elders that don't ever choke. They say, look out, boy. Here I come. Begin reading. 
with verse 4. So they ran both together. They ran together. And the other disciple. And the other disciple. Did outrun Peter. He outran Simon Peter. And came first to the sepulchre. But he got to the sepulchre. And he's stooping down. He stooped down. And looking in. And that's all he could get out of him. He's checking it out. Hallelujah. And he might still be standing there. Had it not been for somebody. That said look out honey. Because I'm coming through. Hallelujah. And there's people. That are stooping. To check this out. They got their eyes on us. Oh, yes. They're looking into this thing, oh, but yes. they're not sure about going in. They're just kind of standing at the door. There's young people at their school. They are interested. They are curious. They do want to know. They do need a hope. They need a Messiah. They need something to believe in. And they're stooping and looking in. Thank God. For a young person that'll say, look out, I'm running to church. Look out, I'm running to the prayer room. Look out, I'm running to worship. Look out, I'm running to witness. Hallelujah. You want to start a revival in your church? Don't wait on somebody else. Say, look out, here I come. Look out, here I come. Hallelujah. Then went in that other disciple. Then went in. And he believed. Ooh. Ooh. Let's all stand. It's okay. Let's stand. I read a story. Uh, take it back. Heard it on a tape. It was about... It wasn't a preaching tape, it was a tape on the life of a long distance runner by the name of Sebastian Coe. I have no idea what Sebastian Coe's doing now, but in the 80s, he was the premier runner in long distance running. And I don't keep up with that, but I was going down the road and didn't have nothing else to listen to, and somebody lent me the tape. And I listened to it. He may, his records may be broken now. I don't know. But for the 880 meter run, his record stood for many, many, many years. In this story, there was an American runner. Uh, Coe was British. And I think, I think his name was Walker. And Walker knew he could not beat Sebastian Coe. He knew he couldn't. Coe is so phenomenal, so unbelievable. But something settled down into the heart of this American runner as he stood limbering up, getting ready to run. And he did one of the most unselfish things that I've ever heard of in such selfish things, sports. He said in himself, today I'm going to run 
like I've never ran in my life. If I die today, I'm going to run like I never ran in my life. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to help Sebastian Coe break his own world record. These events, they are strategy as much as they are endurance or anything else. And the gun was fired and they took off out of the starting blocks. And the people cheered and Walker took the lead. That was not all that unusual, but he kept the lead. And somehow, intuitively or whatever way, as they began to go into the heat of this race, Sebastian Coe began to understand this is not Walker. This is not the way he runs. Because they, they, they study each other. This is not his normal style. What is he trying to do? If he runs like that, he'll never last the race. He doesn't have it in him. He doesn't have the stamina. Why is he running like this? Why is he running like that? He can't possibly keep going at that pace. And then it began to dawn Sebastian Coe. This man is not even running for himself. This man is running for me. And he's my key. And he began to key on him. He began to key on him. And he knew that Coe, that Walker was pacing him. And Walker was running. He was running like he'd never ran in his life. He was running till he thought he would die. He was running till he could taste blood in his mouth. He ran and he ran and he ran and he ran when nothing was left in him except a heart that said, I'm going to run some more. I'm not running for myself. I'm running for somebody else. Brother Westberg, it's dawned on me. I didn't believe it. I was young, cocky, self-assured. I knew or thought I knew, but I was wrong. We're running this race, not even for ourselves. The greatest preachers are not on the scene yet greatest pastors aren't behind pulpits yet I'll tell you where they are I'm looking at some of them and I'll tell you something it's getting down in my heart oh God dear God in heaven help me to run I beg you, God, I beseech you, God, help me to run. Help me to run like I've never run. Help me to give like I've never given. Help me to pour out like I've never poured out. God, let me be the one to pace. I want to set the pace for some young man. You better thank God for these men. You better thank God for this elder right here. You better thank God for some people. That friend, they've read their head back and they said, come on, young people. Keep up if you can. Keep up if you can. And as Walker ran, 
Finally, his legs begin to go out. Finally, the weakness began to overcome him. And Cole couldn't touch him. But somehow when he passed, there was an understanding that passed between them. I know what you've done. I realize the sacrifice you've paid. And Cole ran like he never knew he was able to run before. And he broke his own, what was thought to be, unbeatable world record. Hallelujah. There's some prayer warriors out here. Young people, do you hear me? There's some, I'm looking at some prayer warriors. I'm looking at some soul winners. I'm looking at some future preachers and preachers' wives and teachers, perhaps missionaries. I'm looking at people that are going to teach Bible studies. Even though the heart breaks, they're going to teach. They're going to pray. They're going to reach. They're going to do anything. They're going to do everything they can. God, help us to do our best to pass the baton into the hands of the generation. Help us, God, to get a hold of the hem of the garment. Help you to get a hold of it for yourself and start forging the way for other people. Hallelujah. If there is something stirred in the depths of your heart, if there is something stirring in the depths of your soul that says, I want to touch him tonight. I want to lay hold on him tonight. I want to reach for him tonight in a greater way than I ever have. I want to get a hold of something in this youth convention that I haven't had for a long time. And I'm going to ask you, wherever you are and whoever you are, Come on, friend. Why don't you make your way down here? Come on, young person. Why don't you come down? Amen. And get a hold of the hem of his garment. Why don't you reach for him and say, God, I want you to count me in. I want to be part of it. I want to see your glory. I want you to use me. Don't hold back, friend. Don't wait for somebody else. Come on in for yourself. Come on in for yourself. That's something stir inside for yourself. I want to touch you. I want to be what you want me to be. And as they're coming, I've got just a couple things I want to say. Parents, please listen to me. Let's get a hold of the hem of a garment. Make it easier for our sons and daughters to pray. Let's make it easier for them to witness. Let's make it easier for them to love the house of God. Let's make it easier for them. Hallelujah. Let's start getting a hold of the hem of the garment ourselves. Come on, friend. Come on, friend. Come on, friend. Come on, friend. That's right, young person. That's right, sir. That's right, young lady. Touch him tonight. Reach for him tonight. I want you to know, God, I want you. I want you to know, God, I'm serious for you. I want you to know, God, I need you. Oh, let's pray. Oh, let's pray. Let's pray. Oh, let's pray. Come on, that's right. Come on, that's right. That's right. Come on, that's right. Oh, that's right. Come on.
Oh, Jesus! Hallelujah! 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 Kirala borra borria satara la maya. Jesus, I want you. That's right. That's right. That's right. Oh, yes. Hallelujah. Let's gather in and pray with these. Let's gather in. Let's pray for these young people. Oh, let's pray for them. Oh, our future's here. Our future's here. Our future's here. Our future's here. They're here tonight. They're praying tonight. They're seeking tonight. They want him tonight. That's right, young man. That's right. Come on. person that's right believe him that's right seek him that's right trust him that's it that's it that's God you feel it he loves you oh that's right pull your heart out oh pull your heart out Oh, pour your heart out. Send me a fire. Oh, pour your heart out. Oh, pour your heart out tonight. That's right. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. Jesus, in your name, God. Send me a burning. Oh, yes. For Jesus' name, it's my desire. Set me a fire, make me a flame. Oh Lord, set me a fire, make me a flame for you. Millions are lost, but you made the cost. Send me a burning, make me shine out for Jesus' name. Oh, that's right, that's right, that's right. Jesus loves you tonight. Jesus loves you tonight. Oh, yes, God, yes, God, in Jesus' name. Jesus! 
Yes, that's right. Yes, Jesus. Oh, we're touching you, Jesus. Hallelujah. That's right, yes! Pull your heart out! He's here to help you tonight! Bigger than anything, God is bigger than anything. Woo! Yes! Yes, hallelujah! Bigger than all my problems, bigger than all my fears, God is bigger than any mountain, can or cannot cannot see. Bigger than all my problems, bigger than all my fears, God is bigger than any mountain that I can or cannot see. Bigger than all my questions, bigger than anything, God is bigger than any mountain I can or cannot
Glory to God. Hallelujah. Yes, yes, yes. What a- 
Jesus. 